So come and have this moment, Holy Spirit. Just keep pressing in in just a couple more minutes. See yourselves as a catalyst for generating an atmosphere. Life. As God is looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Unfortunately, he never never gave us a glossary of terms to define explicitly what those things mean when he says them. But throughout scripture, he illustrates and teaches in order to hone our understanding and focus it. He's longing for worship in spirit and truth. There's an atmosphere that's released that is spirit. It's separate from the ideas, it's separate from the words and the language and the emotional responses we have to it. But the atmosphere of spirit and life is in itself a commodity. Fill the earth, fill the earth, fill the earth, Lord. Come on, saints, this is a holy moment. This is a holy moment. Give him your attention. Father, we say, teach us how to release the song of the bride. Teach us how to release the song of the spirit to release on earth what is in heaven. Lord, this is our prayer. If that's what you want, ask him right now for more. Lord, we want to hear your voice. Lord, we want to hear your voice. Last week I referenced the conversation that Jesus was having with Nicodemus. And it's it's quite an indictment against humankind and the wisdom of the wise when he says, Uh, He talks about being born again. Nicodemus demonstrates he hasn't a clue. He doesn't understand. He has no reference point. He takes it completely out of context. Doesn't, just doesn't get any of it. Jesus' response was not empathetic. Jesus' response was not 
oh, I understand. Da, 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 da. It was frustration. How can I talk to you then about heavenly things when I can't even talk to you about this? Do you know, there is a people, there is a generation who are going to get it, who are going to worship in spirit and truth, who are going to manifest the fullness of what it means to be sons and daughters. But as long as we overestimate our present understanding, as long as we continue to ridicule in our hearts and dishonor high things because they're not understandable to us, we make ourselves excluded. When Jesus spoke to the, them about uh, his blood, it was a complex thing, and he purposely went into the gra- against the grain of all of their language, all of their illustrations, And when they didn't understand, when they were offended, he said, the words I speak to you are spirit and truth, spirit and life. And this is the challenge when we get into a moment like this, is what defines the validity of this moment for you? When you come to church, what makes church valid for you? What makes it worthwhile? What, what will allow you to put on the proverbial check mark that says, wow, that was a great service? Tragically, it's always things within our wheelhouse or only slightly removed. And God is saying, come up higher. Come up, come up higher. I want you to begin to be able to interact with things because of the life, the quality of life that's on it. Is that the primary criteria? Is that the first criteria you apply when somebody sings, when somebody does something, when somebody, or is it its excellence, its musical beauty, its aesthetic appeal? It's intellectual complexity. It's poetic symmetry. What is it that gives you the highest level of satisfaction? Why is that important? Because God is trying to align your appetite with his appetite. What if I brought you something that was confusing to you, but it had spirit and life? Could you receive it? What if I brought something to you that was spirit and life through a broken vessel? Could you receive it? What if I brought something to you that had spirit and life of the highest order, yet you were angry? Could you interact with it? Are you a slave to your own thoughts? Are you a slave to your own emotions? Are you a slave to your own peculiarities? How easy are you separated from your personal orientation and brought into his orbit? Father, we understand we are on a journey.
But we want to come up. Lord, we feel even now the pull of your spirit, the invitation of your love, the invitation. Lord, free us from the anchors. Free us from the moorings of those things that give us security, those things that give us safety. You see, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he he did not put a premium on the transference of information. He wasn't trying to get them to memorize lists, perfecting their theology. He was trying to connect them with him. See, if you could just be more intimately connected with him, then all the other deficiencies of your life will align themselves. Ah, Father, we want more of you. You know, it's the funniest thing when the disciples stumbled over that teaching of Jesus in John chapter 6 and 7, wherever it was. It was quite clearly because it was anti-biblical. It was bad theology from a Jewish standpoint. Now, Jesus was meaning it in an entirely different way. (laughs) Right? But he wanted to know, what are you more connected to, your culture or the spirit? He asks us the same question. What are you more corrected, connected to? I'm trying to separate you from the things that moor you and anchor you to the earth, to earthly things. I'm trying to pull you up. I'm trying to pull you up. <laughs> Father, I pray for a breaking anointing today, a breaking anointing on all the things that keep us grounded to the earth. Father, I say in Jesus' name, liberate us, Lord. Liberate our thoughts. Liberate us from our spiritual and emotional strongholds. God. God, liberate us. God, liberate us. I've got a sermon I was intending to speak, but I'm not going to rush into it because if there is a transitional moment for us, I'd rather experience the grace of heaven, the transformative power of the life of God than anything else. Ah. (laughs) 
I've got so many thoughts running through my mind, just so many different pictures, ideas, and illustrations. I just, I can't even keep up with it all. My mouth could not say it all, but they're, they're all hanging in the room. Knowledge is hanging in the room. Revelation is hanging in the room. Insights, the necessary materials for shifting you into a new spiritual gear are in the room. Decide what you're going to connect to right now. Decide whether you even want this right now. What are you holding to? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I still can't hardly fathom the words that Jesus shared when he said to Nicodemus, this being born again, being rejuvenated, being redeemed, your spirit becoming anew. I mean, there was nothing in the Old Testament, virtually nothing about this. A couple of inferences here and there, but nothing specifically, no theology. And yet he said, this is not even a heavenly reality. It begs the question, how ready are we for the heavenly things? How ready are we for the heavenly things? I mean, the spirit that is biting at the heels of every believer who's passionate and hungry is a spirit of accusation. And the first words that that spirit would say is, where's that in the Bible? Where is that in the Bible? (laughs) And yet we know Jesus said so many things that John described it and said there's not enough books written what what does that mean he covered more than is in the bible now does that 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 doesn't open up a free-for-all that does not mean anything goes by no means far from it well how do you stay accountable The Spirit of God is more powerful, more affirming of the fruit of righteousness than any system, any overt system, political, social, theological system. Father, we want to be believers that rise above the fray of the confusion Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Come on, lean in right now. Jesus. He said, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Will be filled. Hunger. And thirst. More, Lord, more, Lord, more, Lord. There are people watching online and there are some in the room that fear is the trigger that grounds you. 
Fear is always the trigger that grounds you. All the enemy has to do is play the fear card, and you are, you are always taken right out of the spirit and down into the natural. And there's a grace right now. Uh, it's a mantle. Let it come on you. It's a mantle. Lord, we minister the mantle of peace and love to the spirit of fear. In John 17, 3, John writes, and this is eternal life. These are, he's quoting Jesus. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Knowing God is the core. (laughs) Well, I want to know God, somebody says. Tell me something about God. No, no, no. Not tell you something about God. Know God. The mind asks for a list of characteristics so that we can separate God from others. And that won't help you because Satan comes as an angel of light. An exact representation, a duplicate, a precise image with signs and what lying wonders the Antichrist will come, it says. How are you going to know the difference when he says all the right things? When wolves come in sheep's clothing, they don't generally say the wrong things, they say the right things. Know him. God, we want to know your spirit. Father, we, we're crying out to you. God, we, we are like, we, it's like we have nothing at all. God, we have a theology. We have, but Father, we're reaching for more. Father, there's a dissonant day coming, and we want to be able to stand in that day. Lord, we, cause us to know you. Cause us to know you. Come on. Desire him. Oh, God. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. I can give you a sermon, but that won't determine whether you're filled or not or how much you're filled. Your hunger and thirst for righteousness. Come on, enter. There are, there are people right now in the room. This could be a Kairos moment for you. But it's like you cannot get over the hurdle of trying to decide whether even this moment is legitimate. When are we going to get to the real reason we're here? Come on, let's seek him. Seek him. Seek him. He says, seek me while I can be found. 
What part of church has prepared you to seek for God? I mean, this is what we haven't done as spiritual leaders. We've made presentations. We made great presentations to you, but we haven't taught you how to seek God. We call you together once and twice a week, and we say, do this, do this, and do this. But we haven't taught you how to seek God with all your heart. It begins with desire. Can you even find that place of desire and hunger and passion inside of you? And if you can feel it, if you can sense it, do you even know how to release it? And when you go to release it, how many barriers are you? What does your mind immediately go to? What kind of fear, what kind of compromise of your image suddenly jumps to mind that says, oh, I can't be overly passionate. I got to make sure I walk this narrow line of dignified, postured, intellectually, consistently, sophisticated presentation. God, God, seek, seek, and you will find. Seek and you will find him. Seek and you will find him. I just heard the words whispered in my heart. What are you going to do about it? And I immediately thought of when you're in love and the other person doesn't know. Are you content to just sit back? Be in love at a distance and feel the flutterings and say nothing and do nothing and hope that maybe the stars align and they love you first and and they're going to come back and do everything. But if you're in love, what are you going to do about it? And nobody can tell you, this is the key that will do everything perfectly, that will get that person. You step in with risk And you try to do something. You might write a poem. You might send flowers. You might keep showing up time and time again, going out of your way to just be there. But you've got to create something to make it happen. What are you going to do about it? If you love me, says the Spirit, What are you going to do about it? Last night we watched a movie called Kate and Leopold. I don't have to tell you the whole foundation of it. But literally there was this part where this man was mentoring this, this young man who said he loved this girl. But he was full of fear and insecurity and ignorance. And, and so he, he finally got her number and he thought... I'm gonna I'm gonna call her, and then leave a message. That way, the ball's in her court. And he said, "No. That that's not way the way to advance this relationship. You always have to keep the ball in your court." And there's a principle there. You see, it the ball is always in your court. 
Why? Because God immediately responds when you actually step forward. He totally does his, he never delays his part when you fulfill the criteria of, of playing your shot, of doing your, your part. You don't miss a step. And all the waiting, what you discover as you grow, all the waiting was you reluctant, fearful, insecure, ignorant, not knowing how to take the next step. And mostly, mostly, mostly the church is caught in the last step, reveling in the last obedience, the last thing. And God is saying, like, this is a million-rung ladder. Okay, you took one, you took one rung. There are, there are a few more to come. You see, each one you take forward, it erodes something of your former nature. It erodes something of your former self. It seals in the grave that which you are trying to bury and distance yourself from. What if when we stand before the Lord, we realize that the ball was already always in our court. That is, what if the sum of our life was spent accusing others, including God himself, faulting him for not doing what we thought it was necessary for him to do? What if when the veil is drawn back, what we see is that it was always us? There was always resentment. There was always bitterness. There was always unforgiveness. There was always pride. There was always obedience to fear. There was always something. And when we were frustrated, there was a simple and easy way out. What if? I'm not guessing about this because this is the way that God has constructed the kingdom of God. And this is what he says in Second Peter. He says, all things necessary for life are provided. Not will be provided. Have been provided. Are already available to you. God... I keep seeing an atmosphere that God means to bring into this church. I see us at a tipping point into an entire new dimension that will bring harvest, that will bring spiritual and emotional health on a scale that has eluded us for years and years and years. But we are standing at that tipping point right now. And it's not by accident that we find ourselves here in the second service this morning. Because the reality is, the first service brought us so far. And we actually picked up from where we were. We didn't start the first service all over again.
And that's why a few weeks ago when we tried to do the first service twice, it totally was flat. Because God is saying, I'm trying to bring a whole body of people into a continuum. And what happens is, is, is that you, 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 uh, you are brought to a place in the spirit through that first service. And yes, it took an hour and a half. But I can't get you to give me more than an hour and a half. So as high as you can, I can bring you up the mountain of God in in an hour and a half is as far as you ever experience. And for some of us, that's a quality hour and a half. For some of us, that's five minutes worth of focus. Can we see what we could have? Imagine what we could have if we gave ourselves fully to him. Oh, God, give us a new heart. Give us a new heart. I believe God is changing our very definition of what it means to be together. And you only have to look at the old-time revivals to realize It was wall-to-wall meetings for a reason. When they did a week of camp meetings, people experienced a drawing closer and a drawing closer and a drawing closer over the course of a week. And sometimes those meetings turned to two weeks into three weeks. And the the only thing that stopped the progression was that people hit the limits of their capacity. They hit, they hit the limits of what was reasonably required as a Christian to give God. And this is the ceiling we're dealing with right now. And we've dealt with it all of the Christian faith. You have to go to church like three times a week. And when we were freed enough of that, then we went once. And when we were freed enough of that, we went twice a month. And when we were freed enough of that, we went once a month and occasionally caught a a Zoom thing. And yeah, you can go to as many meetings as you want and not change. That also is true. But it's not either or. God is saying, I want a people who love me. I want a people who enjoy my presence. And if you're the one that says, I'm not even sure I feel his presence, then I'm saying, draw nearer. I don't know how to do that, you say. It's because you're not listening. Well, that's not very nice. It's the nicest thing I could tell you. Oh God. One day we're all going to stand in his presence and we're going to see the magnificence of who he is and we're going to realize all of that could have been experienced here.
God, we sang. Lord, I want more. I want more. God, God, free my mind, I pray. God, free me. Free me. Free me. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to every single one of us. I find myself, as I'm coming into the presence of the Lord time and time again, when I hit my ceiling and I physically feel like I've hit the, you know, when a dog is running and he reaches the end of his leash and all of a sudden that point of contact where his leash is anchoring him, he feels that restraint right in that spot. I feel right here in my forehead a point of tension. It is a point of restraint. And I'm asking God today, Lord, whatever it is that keeps me from entering into a deep, Lord, whatever anchors me to a natural to a natural comprehension, to a, to a faithless existence. God, I want to be free. Whatever demands I make on your grace, Father, that are illegitimate, I say I want it to fall to the ground. I want to seek your face. I want to seek your face. I want to seek your face. I want to seek you. I want to know you. But I I feel like I want to share something really quickly. I've been doing a meeting Friday mornings. And some of you are aware that you haven't been invited to that meeting. And I'm sorry for that. And the people that have been invited aren't the best people necessarily. By that I mean, I could very well have invited other an assortment of other people. So it wasn't like, oh, you were excluded because of some specific criteria. But what we've done is we've taken these Friday mornings for two hours, and the whole morning is about training people to ascend in the Spirit. And uh, some of the of course, the pastoral staff and others, but I'd like two people from that group, maybe Jenna, uh, maybe Derek, to to share something about what that has been about, that the discovery that this this thing, and maybe there are others, maybe Cam has something, I don't know, but discovering that, wow, I didn't realize it, but my whole Christian life has been about ascending this mountain, and I've stayed pretty much at the very base most of my Christian life. I didn't even know these things were there for me to experience and to go into. And the, it's not just a skill that's being developed. It's an awareness of ascension, an awareness of momentum, an, aware, an awareness of spiritual geography, and I believe the end time church is going to be defined by a people who know the difference between the top of the mountain and the bottom of the mountain, inside the mountain and outside the mountain, that there are rooms in the mountain of God, that there are treasuries in God's house that are meant to be experienced daily. Does somebody have a testimony? 
I'm beginning to see the fruit of the training of Friday morning in my life. And as we go in, we often start in tongues. And one of the biggest things that Pastor Mark encourages us to do is to move past our thoughts, to not get hung up on our thoughts as they come, because as we go in, of course, things come up and revelation comes. And these beautiful uh, things, ideas, But he asks us to leave those things aside and keep pressing in and going beyond our understanding. And if I could sum it up, it's a a continuous dying to yourself of what you're seeing, of what you think you know, and you have to continually train yourself to disengage your brain to disengage your mind and choose to continue to press into where the Lord is bringing us together. And we find ourselves in these places, much like where we are this morning, where you can land in this place corporately and begin to discover what the Lord is doing amongst us. So there's this element of corporate. There's this element of together. Will you lay down where you want to go? Will you lay down what you think is right? Your great idea, a prayer that's well-formed in words. And will you just go where everybody's going together to see what's further, what's, what's beyond us? And I'm finding there's this unquenchable thing in me that's constantly looking like what's, there's just a little bit more. I think there's somebody else in this room that's like about to give in, but just is still holding back a little bit. And it's like, I want to stay here until that breaks. I want to stay here until that line, that crossing over of self happens. Even at home, it's just a choice. I can feel it. I can feel the holding back. I know it. Even this last Friday morning, I felt this inability to get past my mind. I could not get past my mind, and I spent almost the whole morning trying to break past my mind. And in the last 10 minutes, it broke. It broke. And so I'm just going to say it's not too late. If this whole morning you've been sitting there and you can't get past your mind, it can happen in a moment. It can happen in a moment. So I'm just asking God for a spirit impartation right now. For a moment. For the ones that can't let go. Oh God, release the grip of the hands that can't let go. That are stuck in rigor mortis. That are clenched. Oh God, come and just release the hands. Release the minds. To go past. To go past. Oh, 
know, but maybe this is the change that's coming. Well, we have been content to come to a church like we come to a theater. And we come and we sit in the chairs, but really we're not a part of the program. And we spend our our time evaluating the ones that are performing and rendering service to us and determining the value of the experience, not based on our ascension, not based on how we are laying our lives down in pursuit of him, but based on the performance by the paid staff or the presenters, because that's the way church is done for us. So people come and they deliver to us some information, and then we later decide whether we want it or not. It's a spiritual smorgasbord, uh, a buffet where we just decide to choose this and that, and, well, I don't prefer that, and I like this, and I like that. What if the whole the whole scenario was meant to be all of us crying out with all of our heart where nobody was safe, where nobody played it safe, where nobody nobody was protecting their personal interests, their integrity. Nobody was nobody was hiding behind the crowd. Nobody was deciding, well, the volume is too loud. I don't want to say anything right now because then I'll feel stupid if I hear my own voice or if somebody else hears me. What it says, what that says is I'm not hungry enough to ever be embarrassed. What did David do when he pursued the Lord as he walked through the streets? He stripped himself of everything that he was deserving to wear. He, he threw down all the posture because he understood, no, it's before the Lord. It's before the Lord. I am before the Lord. I am before the Lord. You are before the Lord right now. What do we give him? What are we giving him? Do we even give him any time at all? Can we? How broken are we? This is not to condemn, but to raise up the level of desperation. To say, oh God, I want to be a part of the generation that seeks your face, the generation of Jacob. I want to be in that generation. Lord, we renounce the the performance-based church where we come as spectators. Me, Lord, pick me. God, pick me. Pick me, Lord. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor Mark, you're making me unsafe. Yeah, I mean, it was was all I could do to come to this church and and sit in the back and try to be inconspicuous. I am so insecure, so afraid of being seen, so afraid of standing out. I can barely make it into the building. Why are you making it even harder? Because you don't understand the kingdom. It's not about making it easier and harder. It's about killing that thing that would make you intimidated. There's something inside of us that has to die. And by creating safety for that insecurity, we are not improving our situation. 
by coddling that fear, by demanding that others around us never cross over the line and make us insecure or feel awkward, we are not advancing. We are retreating into deeper darkness. And I'm not going to have that on my life. I'm not going to, that is not going to be my, my reward when I go to heaven. Oh, Lord, I coddled your people and never demanded that they lay down their lives. No, this is the path. Deal with the fear. Courage. Passion. Desire. I refuse to be safe by eliminating the, sh- the valley of the shadow of darkness. I will walk through the valley of the shadow of darkness and I will fear no evil for he is with me. That will be the story of our life experience. When I was younger, there was a certain aggressiveness in me and I tried to put it in sports and it was quenched. I got angry at people and I put it against people and was a bully and I realized that wasn't the way either. But there's a verse that says the the kingdom of heaven that the violent take it by force. And I've been afraid. I've been made dull. I've been made fearful to not be able to take it by force because of how I'll look. What will people think of me? Will, Will my violence be used against me again? And I keep seeing this vision in the spirit in my heart, a daydream, and it's a cliff. And in the cliff, there's darkness. And in the dream, I run towards it with everything in me. And I throw myself from the cliff. But I've been fearful to come to the edge of the cliff. To throw myself into the unknown of God. Because I don't trust. Because I fear. Because that dullness, that violence, that that adventurous spirit to go after Jesus is gone in me. Restore Jesus in all of us. The zeal for your church, for your name, Jesus. Allow the violence you put in us to be used to come to the spirit of the living God. Redeem that in us, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I believe that there are some people in this room and you identify in some ways with 
what we've been sharing and Joel's testimony. But I, I heard this. I tried that. I tried that and nothing changed. And I just felt embarrassed. I felt ridiculous. Because God didn't come through, nothing happened. And I heard the Lord say, I received your sacrifice. I received your sacrifice. But I'm not the one that needs to be changed. You are. And it's that reluctance to make that sacrifice that needs to be changed. And the more you do that, the easier it becomes because you're laying down pride, you're laying down your own dignity, you're laying down your self-importance, you're laying down your life for me. And if you only do that, if I respond immediately with a reward, then you're not really laying down your life. You're giving to get. So I'm testing you and I have been testing you I believe there's something to be entered into here, a a decision today that I'm going to be like David. I'm going to give my all. I'm going to pour out my whole heart each and every time I come to worship. I'm not going to justify staying in reserve. And the, 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 the assortment of excuses we give ourselves have to be diminished and eliminated because he is worthy he is worthy and I know for a fact that there are many people who've made me the reason that they don't do it well because you ask too much it's for your freedom I'm on this same journey but the beauty of who you're becoming lies on the other side of this God, we want, we want you. Father, change us, change us. I I feel we're on the verge of something as a church. But hold on to whatever determinations and whatever clarity came to you today. I believe it's important for the future.